0: Pastor Xavier Reese says, you can't buy happiness. Abundant life is the gift of God. What are you boasting?
1: What are you depending on? Oh, that can't happen to me no matter what collapse. You know, my retirement is secure. And you know, my medical this and that. I've got it all this and that. Really? Anything wrong with those things? No. What's wrong? Attitude is wrong. That's what God looks at. Attitude. Perspective.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether you're a king and live in one of the seven wonders of the world, the simple truth is where you spend eternity will always be a matter of the mercy and grace or the righteous judgment of God the Creator. And as Pastor Xavier turns to the 50th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, it's the king of kings that every knee bows to, as the judgment of Babylon is administered according to and exactly as prophesied. Let's begin today's study, aptly titled, The Judgment of Babylon. The city of Babylon was quite a marvel.
1: It was uh, near the Garden of Eden region, built around the Tower of Babel. Uh, It was uh, 60 miles around, 15 miles on each side, and the wall was 300 feet high, 80 feet thick, and 35 feet below ground so no one could tunnel under it. It was built of brick, one foot square, three to four inches thick. And there was one mile of clear space between the city and the wall all the way around. The wall was protected by um, a wide and deep moat, canals filled with water. And there was 250 towers on the wall, guard rooms for the soldiers on them, and 100 gates of brass. The city was divided by the Euphrates River that ran right down the middle and divided the city in half. And both banks were guarded by brick walls all around, all the way, having 25 gates connecting streets and ferry boats. And there was a tunnel under the river. 15 feet wide, 12 feet high. The great temple of Marduk or Bel as we'll see adjoining the Tower of Babylon was the most renowned sanctuary of all Euphrates Valley and it contained a golden image of Bel. Also it contained a golden table which together weighed no less than 50,000 pounds. At the top were golden images of Bel and Ashtar Two golden lions, a golden table 40 feet long and 15 feet wide with a human figure of solid gold 18 feet high. Truly Babylon was the city of gold as prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 14.4. He was the head of gold in the time of the Gentiles. God gave it to him the dream. Wealthy. The city was very religious and had 33 temples, 180 altars to Ashtar. The hanging gardens of Babylon, were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, built by Nebuchadnezzar for his Median queen, beautiful daughter of Chiaxeris, who had helped um, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, conquer Nineveh. And they stood on several tiers of arches over one another, each of them bringing a solid platform of 400 feet square terrace, and the top covered with flowers, shrubs, trees, and gardens on the roof." By the way, these were watered from reservoirs at top, which the water was raised from the river by hydraulic pumps. Underneath the arches were luxurious apartments, the pleasure grounds of the palace. This is the city that God is going to proclaim judgment upon. The judgment against Babylon, if you've read these two chapters, is the longest of all the judgments against the nations that run from 46 to 51. The judgment against Babylon contains 110 verses in contrast to 121 verses of all the combined judgments of the nations from 46 to 49. The two-fold theme that is intertwined between chapter 50 and 51 is the judgment of Babylon and the restoration of of Israel. These cannot be missed. Now, the seeming monotonous repetition of the judgment from different perspectives and descriptions serve a twofold purpose. First, to encourage the captives who were in Babylon about Yahweh's love and faithfulness to deliver them in the future, to give them hope. Then secondly, to emphasize the sure and long deserved judgment of Babylon. And so repetition is always when you're trying to teach somebody or repetition comes when you're trying to make something emphatic. We do it as parents to our children. Listen to me. Did you get this? Did you get? Yes, I got it. You know cause they're tired of hearing it. But we know it's important for them not to forget. And so we emphasize by repetition. The only clue for a date is found in chapter 51 verse 59. To 60 in the fourth year of Zedekiah, 594 to 593 BC. And so, what we want to do is look at the initial judgment of Babylon, which is declared to us in a threefold movement from verse 1 to 20. Let me read it for us. The word of the Lord, spoken against Babylon and against the land of Chaldees by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations, proclaim and set up a standard. Proclaim, do not conceal it. Say, Babylon is taken, Baal is shame. Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols is humiliated, her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north a nation comes up against her, which shall make her land desolate, and no one shall dwell therein. They shall move, they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days, and at that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come. They and the children of Judah together with continue weeping. They shall come and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way of Zion with their faces towards it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned um, them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All who found them have devoured them, and their adversary said, We have not offended, because they have sinned against the Lord, the inhabitants of justice, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Move from the midst of Babylon, go out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be like the ram before the flock. For behold, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon, assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves against her from there, she shall be captured. Their arrows shall be like those of an expert warrior, and none shall return in vain. The Chaldeans shall become plunder. All the plunder uh, her shall be satisfied, says the Lord. Because you were glad, because you rejoice. You destroy of my heritage, because you have grown fat like a heifer, threshing grain. And you bellow like bulls. Your mother shall be deeply ashamed. She who bore you shall be ashamed." Behold, the least of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry land, a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but she shall be wholly desolate. Everyone who goes by Babylon shall be horrified and hiss at all her plagues. Put yourself in array against Babylon all around, all you who bend the bull. Shoot at her. Spare no arrow, for she has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her all around, she has given her hand. Her foundations have fallen, her walls are thrown down, for it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her, as she has done, so do to her. Cut off the sword of Babylon, and him that handles the sickle at harvest time, for fear of the oppressing sword. Everyone shall turn to his own people, and everyone shall flee to his own land. Israel is like a scattered sheep. The lion has driven him away. first. The king of Assyria devoured him. Now, at last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. But I will bring back Israel to his home, and he shall feed on Carmel and Basham. His soul shall be satisfied on Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none." In the sins of Judah But they shall not be found For I will pardon those Whom I reserve The initial judgment of Babylon here Is uh, declared to us And it unfolds in three movements Verse 1 through 10 You have the doom of Babylon Verse 11 through 16 The sowing and reaping Of Babylon And then 17 through 20 The restoration of Israel From Babylon. The doom of Babylon, right up front, straight to the point. God doesn't beat around the bush, He gives it to to us in front, and then He repeats it through various variations from different perspectives throughout the two chapters. Notice first in verse 1 through 3, the proclamation of Babylon's judgment was to be to all the nations, all of them. The command was a divine authority, evident here in the subscription. Which serves as a label for both chapter 50 and 51. And notice it's identified in three ways. It was the word of the Lord, meaning Yahweh. It was spoken against Babylon to Jeremiah, Yahweh's prophet. And it was spoken by Jeremiah, the mouthpiece of Yahweh. Totally a message from God. Totally God's revelation from heaven to earth on those who think that they are more powerful, those who think that they really have control of things. Now notice the judgment is against the land of the Chaldeans, the nation of Babylon. Babylon, by the way, is modern-day Iraq. Babylon has a long history of rebellion against God, beginning with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and uh, all the way to the book of Revelation, the mystery harlot Babylon. Now notice in verse 2, the declaration was to be among the nations. The word standard means a banner or a signal pole to be lifted up high So all would see it All were to know before it happened So when it happened they would know it was God And the proclamation notice is twofold Babylon would be taken or conquered And the gods of the Babylonians would be useless to her Bel would be shame Bel means Lord, the storm god Merodach would be broken in pieces. He was the chief god of Babylon, sometimes called Marduk. Her idols would be humiliated and her images would be broken, he says. The word images literally means dung pellets here, ridicule to the idols. All of this is spoken as if it had already taken place. Have you noticed that? The prophetic perfect, Why? Because in God's mind it's already happened even though it hasn't happened. It's sure. Notice in verse 3, the instrument of God to judge Babylon had already been picked. He would come out of the north, namely Medo-Persia. They are mentioned throughout the prophecy in chapter 50, verse 41, 51-11, 51-28. It cannot be mistaken. Jeremiah had already mentioned them way back in chapter 25. In verse 12 of 25, it says, Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and the nations in the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Then in verse 25 and 26 of chapter 25, he says, And all the kings of Zimri, and all of Elam, Elam is Iran, right next to Iraq, (laughs) and all the kings of the Medes, All the kings of the north, far and near, one with another, and all the kings of the world, which are on the face of the earth, also the king of Shekeh, shall drink after them. So he had already prophesied this in chapter 25. Now he's giving the specifics of the judgment to Babylon. God confirming his word. Now, they would make Babylon desolate. Notice that the land of Babylon would become uninhabited, man and beast. And as we look to the history of Babylon, remember, now we're going to mention this back and forth. There's a short-term and a long-term fulfillment. God's not through with Babylon. Okay? It's not completely fulfilled in its totality. It's only partially fulfilled. Notice, secondly, here in verse 4 and 5, the judgment of Babylon would mark the return of Israel to her land. In verse 4, the particular time is identified by the phrase, in those days and at that time. The day of Babylon's destruction is a reference here. The time of liberation for Israel that was coming in 538. And then two years later, 536, Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back by his command. The promise was the children of Israel shall come. They and their children, Judah, together. North and south were there. The north ten tribes went into captivity to Assyria. Judah, the two tribes, went into Babylon, when Babylon took Judah, the two tribes of Benjamin and Judah, they also took the rest of the 10 tribes from Assyria and took them to Babylon. So 10 and 2 is what? 12. All 12 were there. Now notice the attitude in which they would return was in genuine repentance. With continual weeping, they shall come and seek the Lord, Yahweh, their God. That's the only way God accepts any person. He doesn't accept us because we're in trouble. He doesn't accept us because we give money. He doesn't accept us because we shed tears. He comes and He accepts us because our hearts are rent in true repentance as we see ourselves as destitute in our sin in need of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ. That's how he accepts us. No other way. Now notice in verse 5, throughout the prophecy of Babylon, there is a short-term in fulfillment and a long-term, as I mentioned. The short-term fulfillment was after the 70 years, of course, of the captivity commanded by Cyrus, I said, in 536. Uh, through Ezra, Zerubbabel, and then later on down the line, through Artaxerxes, Nehemiah came. The long-term fulfillment will take place after the seven years of tribulation and great tribulation of the kingdom of Antichrist, which will usher in the millennial kingdom. Listen to their words in verse 5. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces towards it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Now, The first covenant was temporary, the law. This second covenant is a perpetual one. When the Jews will turn to their Messiah, this will happen after the seven years of tribulation, great tribulation. And they look upon him and say, where did you receive these wounds? He said, I received them in the house of my friends. And they will weep. Not till then. So you have the short term, the long term. And no explanation, no division is given. We've seen this over and over again. In the Old Testament, as well as the New, when Peter preached on the Pentecost, he quoted all of Joel, and it was only partly fulfilled. The last half will be during the Great Tribulation. Now, notice thirdly here, in verse 6 and 7, the condition of God's people that brought them to Babylon was idolatry. In verse 6, Yahweh's people had been spiritually corrupted. They had been lost sheep Due to their shepherds The shepherds led them astray The references to their leaders Civil and religious leaders Jeremiah and Ezekiel Have much to say About these false shepherds And these idle shepherds And uh, Jeremiah 23 Remember we went through that Ezekiel 34 He speaks about the shepherds That feed themselves And not the flock They scatter them They don't defend them Woe to the pastor That doesn't feed the flock Of God today Woe to the pastor That doesn't preach The absolute pure gospel Of Jesus Christ God will hold him him responsible Notice they had turned Them away on the mountains Going from mountain to hill They had taught them the pagan practices of the Gentiles Offering sacrifices To those that were no gods They had involved themselves in the Essential rites of Sexual practices of the fertility Gods and they were going from mountain to Hill and just chasing it all over the place The reference to their resting place Is a temple in Jerusalem They didn't have to go anywhere when they had that resting place. It was there. Now they're chasing it all over the place. Deception. Notice verse 7. Yahweh's people consequently were devoured by the enemy. And the reference to all is to the nations Yahweh had used in the past. They said they had not offended nor done wrong. Here's their brashness. Their adversary had justified the devastation of Yahweh's people by giving three ways Israel had sinned. You know, we get that from our kids. Yeah, but I did, but he did this. You know, always trying to justify ourselves, right? Listen, they sinned against Yahweh first, they say. Then, they sinned against the habitation of justice, meaning Jerusalem and the temple. And thirdly, they sinned against the hope of their fathers. So they were smug. Hey, we did God a service. At times, individuals take too much power and authority on themselves and they abuse their power and authority. And they think that it's their calling and their gift to make people suffer. No, it's our responsibility to relieve people of their suffering, to tell them to turn from their sin. Let God deal with the individual and then you deal biblically for restoration. Yours is not the responsibility to make them squirm or suffer. Your responsibility and mine is to restore in the love of Jesus Christ according to the biblical standard. Not just sweeping it under the carpet, according to the biblical standard. Notice fourthly in verse 8 through 10, the command for God's people to leave Babylon is proclaimed. In verse 8, they were to go out of the land of the Chaldeans, leading like a ram, rushing out of the sheepfold. Not procrastinating. Yahweh said, I will raise... And cause a confederacy of nations to come up against Babylon from the north country. So again, the enemies picked. They would array themselves against her. From there, Babylon would be captured, he says in verse 9. Their arrows would be like those of an expert warrior. None would return in vain. In other words, they would hit their mark. They're experts. The Medes and the Persians would be. The instrument of God's wrath. Remember we studied Isaiah? Assyria was the rod of God's wrath. Now, it was Babylon that was used. And now, Babylon gets hers through the Medes. You say, well that's not fair. How can God use one person and then turn around and punish them? Listen, God is holy. Okay? This is a fallen world. And God may, may use a more wicked person or wicked nation to punish another person. And at the same time, then turn around and get that guy. Okay? Because... He's using them for His instrument, waiting for their judgment. God can do whatever He pleases. It's not unjust. He's not judging innocent people. He's not judging someone who is flawless. He's judging people who have been in constant rebellion to Him. And in their rebellion, God just seeks to use them for His glory and for His purposes. Never violating the free will of man. Now, if you can figure that out, you're God. You can't. So don't say, but uh Because then you say that you're more just than God. You're saying that you know the end from the beginning better than God. The plunder of the Chaldeans would bring satisfaction to the enemy in verse 10. You know why? Because everybody likes to see the bully beat. That's why. He tells us... That the ultimate end of Babylon will be total destruction in verse 19 through 22 of Isaiah 13. Even as we see it here in Jeremiah 51 and 52. So there's a short term, then it's a long term. And in between, it being worked out. As you know, Babylon, by the Medo-Persians, was not taken through a battle. But it was taken without a fight. Let me read you the account of Herodotus. He says, It is related by the people who inhabited this city that by reason of its great event, when they who were in the extremities were taken, those of the Babylonians who inhabited the city or the center knew nothing of the capture, for it happened to be a festival. But they were dancing at that time and rejoicing or enjoying themselves till they received certain information of the truth. And thus Babylon was taken for the first time time. Well, later on, Jeremiah 51, 39-40 says that I will have them in a drunken feast. Well, you know, Belshazzar in chapter 5 of Daniel was having a drunken feast when the writing came on the wall. Meaning, meaning, tackle you farce and you've been weighed, you've been found wanting, your number's up. They were partying. Oh, these guys are going to take it. They can't take these 300-foot walls, 35 feet deep, 80 feet thick. What are they trying to do? What are you boasting in? What are you depending on? Oh, that can't happen to me no matter what collapse. You know, my retirement is secure. And you know, my medical this and that. I've got it all this and that. Really? Anything wrong with those things? No. What's wrong?
0: Attitude is wrong. That's what God looks at. Attitude. Pastor Xavier Reese and the caution to rest in the eternal things of heaven rather than the material world of the temporal. Simple truths he draws from Jeremiah chapter 50. And let me quickly remind you, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when scrolling the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule will permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy of this message. And the title you'll want to ask for is simply, The Judgment of Babylon. It's available on CD for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the title, The Judgment of Babylon. Or simply mention today's date. Request yours by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Join us next time as Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates how the simple truths of sowing and reaping apply to both the just and the unjust. It's the conclusion of our study of Jeremiah chapter 50.